Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Sequel week number two. This is Be Kind Rewind, your Disney Plus movie podcast. I am Dan Teets, and joining me, as almost always, Kyra Hawkins. So... <laughs> the is... the running the running gag does not disappoint <laughs> at all. Come in late, act surprised. <laughs> yes. All right, and we are not alone in the studio. We actually have a third member of this happy fun bunch tonight we have all the way from the west coast phil johnson Welcome hello aboard. it's nice to be here happy to be your third wheel this evening hey we love third wheels because tricycles run better than bicycles <laughs> all right well tell us a little bit about yourself what is your disney origin story because it sounds mm. like from what i've read you slip disney into everything <laughs> it's been known to happen for sure. I, uh, I grew up as a Disney kid, and uh, I, my parents, uh, the 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 story in my head always is is uh, they had taken us, uh, they took us to the airport one day uh, just to go look at the planes land. Uh, as was and uh, it was just like a weekend thing. We were not rich growing up by any means, and so my parents would take us to the airport to watch planes. You could do that back then. <laughs> so they took us to the airport, and my uh, we had an uncle that worked at the airport, and they're like, oh. Uncle Steve, he said we could get on an airplane. We're like, oh, cool. And we get on an airplane. And then uh, we're sitting there, and the plane starts taking off. And I'm like, huh? Me and my brother are like, what? And my dad goes, oh, it's okay. We're just we're going to take a short flight, and we're going to come back. And then we land. We end up landing in Orange County. And uh, we walk out, and I see the Disneyland bus. My parents totally surprised us with our first trip to Disneyland. Wow. I think I was – I must have been eight years old or something like that. Uh, and that's the that's like the first Disney memory I have. 
but I had seen all the movies, uh, you know, all the all the stuff. And I've been sort of a, I've been a Disney guy since then. Uh, my office, which you can't see behind me here, this is my recording studio, but my office is just Pirates of the Caribbean stuff wall to wall in there. Um, a bit, I have the the huge ride poster. I have a Exitensio signed one from Florida. All sorts of good stuff. And um, so I do tend to I work as a comedian and a musician. That's my uh, that's my gig. And I do tend to slip uh, many a Disney reference into. Uh, I think almost every single one of my albums has a Disney reference or three in there. Uh, and I even put out a song called The Happiest Place on Earth, which is about the secret ways that Disneyland makes money that nobody knows about. It's a fun song. So it's a conspiracy <laughs> song. Absolutely, yes. Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, it wouldn't be a Disney movie podcast if we didn't talk Disney movies. And I actually had gotten a list of several movies that Bill was interested in. And I looked down on them and I said, well, let's go ahead and cover the Shaggy Diet. So that is tonight's movie. It actually premiered in theaters December the 16th, 1976. It's hard to believe that we are midway through the 70s. I have been joking with Kyra and with my other co-host that it's going to take probably 30 years for us to get to the 90s. And now the closer that I'm looking, we're talking maybe a year or so before we get to the late 80s, early 90s. If we don't make any side roads, drop into the touch-tone universe, things like that. So with this movie, it did $10.5 million in box office revenue, which not bad. It's $55 million in today's money. It's nothing to sneeze at. It's no Pirates of the Caribbean. It's definitely better than Onward or Upward. <laughs> so, um, what are your first impressions or your first thoughts on this movie? I'm I'm a little bit stunned that it made that much money. Honestly, I've always I've always um, in, enjoyed it. I had I watched it again yesterday, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. And uh, looking at it now, it really looks like a direct-to-Redbox movie. Uh, oh just the, I mean, like, like <laughs> you would just go, oh, this is like a knockoff of some other thing. Like, so they did some weird sequel. Um, but it was entertaining. It, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that I would sit down and watch it a ton of times. But it's one of those movies that if it were on on a Saturday afternoon and you were channel flipping, you probably wouldn't turn it off. Yeah. I'm, That's I'm, what I think. I'm with you on that. Kyra, first thoughts on the movie? Um, so I had actually never seen it. Um, <laughs> I at the time of this recording, I haven't even seen the original. Um, I I read the plot of the original real quick just to catch up, um, and then it turns out I almost didn't need to. Um, so, like, and I only watched it one time. Usually. Um, you know, I watch them two or three times to feel like I know what I'm talking about when we record. But um, I only had time to watch it once. And um, I'm kind of glad that I only watched it once. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was okay. Like, like Phil said, if it was on, like, on a Saturday afternoon and there was nothing else to watch, I might pause there. But otherwise, eh, it was all right. Yeah, I don't know if... I've watched the movie in its entirety or if it's one of those that was running on a Saturday afternoon that I caught bits and pieces of because having watched 
the first movie, I could see where they went with this. I didn't realize until watching it that Dean Jones was supposed to be the kid out of Old Yeller, all grown up. Until he starts talking about back in the day, there there was this hex that was put on me. Actually, I don't think he used that word, but for lack of a better term, because he read the the inscription, he was implanted, to take a Twilight term, with the ability to actually transmutate. So, I may have watched it. I can't remember the full plot prior to having watched it again for the podcast. Would it? Would I watch it again? Yeah, it's it's like y'all said. It would be something that if we're flipping through, nothing else is on, I might sit down. Or if the world's youngest podcast host were to come up to me in five years and say, Daddy, let's watch this, I'm not going to tell him no. So, All right. So the synopsis, which comes to us, as always, care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like, Wilby Daniels is now a successful attorney who is married to Betty, and they have a son named Brian. Returning to the town of Medfield from a vacation, the family discovers that they have been robbed of almost all their possessions, and Willoughby blames local district attorney John Slade, who is reputed to have connections with organized crime, particularly with warehouse owner Eddie, Fast Eddie Roshak. After being robbed a second time later that night, along with their Navy Admiral neighbor, Gordon C. Brenner, Wilby vows to run for district attorney to make his town safe again. Meanwhile, the two thugs who had robbed Daniels, Freddie and Dip, observe the Borgia ring at a local museum and assume that it might fetch a large sum, so they steal it. The ugly ring with a scarab on it can only be pawned off to a local bubbling ice cream salesman, Tim, who is the owner of a large old English sheepdog named Elwood. Tim figures he will give the ring to his girlfriend, Katrinka, a local roller derby star and pastry assistant. While dressing himself in preparation for a live television broadcast to announce his candidacy, Wilby hears a report of the Borgia ring being stolen. He freezes in terror and reveals his former shape-shifting secret to his wife, who is certain his story cannot be true. He warns her that if the inscription on the ring... In Canis Corpore Transmuto, which translates to I transmute into the dog into the body of a dog, is spoken aloud, he will turn into a shaggy dog. Soon afterwards, Wilby is moments before his live television debut as Tim discovers the inscription on the ring and reads it aloud, causing Elwood to disappear, only to reappear moments later as he takes over Wilby's body. Moments before the cameras roll, Brian notices that shaggy hair is growing all over his father, who reacts in horror as he realizes he is turning into Elwood the shaggy dog. He rushes from the house and cameras on his dog form, in his dog form, and briefly confounds Tim, who can't understand why his dog Elwood can suddenly speak. The spell wears off, and Tim, excuse me, Wilby is now in his human form again and determined to find the ring as he faces the prospect of being a candidate in the public eye who never knows when he might turn into a dog. Soon, Wilby's fears come true as Katrinka receives the ring and once again the inscription is read. Just as Wilby is giving a public address to a ladies 
garden club known as the Daisy. Betty warns him of his shaggy condition a split second before his canine form would have become an apparent to all gathered and, and creates a near ri a riot while trying to escape. Once again, Tim finds Willoughby in Elwood's form and is convinced that his talking dog can make him millions. When Tim wanders off momentarily, Willoughby returns to his human form, leaving a silent Elwood to confound Tim further. Meanwhile, Raymond, a rival, a agent of Willoughby's rival, John Slade, gets suspicious and wonders why Willoughby keeps disappearing. Desperate to find the ring, a hunt leads to Katrinka, who seems to have lost the ring in a vat of cherry pie filling intended for a Slade fundraiser. Offering a reward to whoever finds the ring, Katrinka and her colleagues go into a mad dash to find it, eventually escalating into a large-scale pie fight. In the pandemonium, the ring once again finds itself in the hands of the local thugs, who this time attempt to pass it off to an undercover police detective. Once again in the hands of the museum, the inscription is read aloud as a point of reference. In the, in the middle of a police station, and Wilby, who has arrived to confirm the ring has been recovered, finds himself turning into Elwood once again. This time, Slade's agent puts two and two together when he overhears the museum's curator explain the ring's reputed power and how his predecessor from the first film told him a story of a young man that turned into a sheepdog years earlier. Slade is informed of the root of this weakness in his rival and is dubious at first, then invites Wilby to his office to test out the theory. He advises Wilby to withdraw his campaign, and of course Wilby refuses and tells Slade that when he is elected, he will have him investigated regarding his criminal connections. Re Slade then reveals that he has the ring. With a reading of the inscription, Slade is thrilled to see Wilby Daniels turn into a shaggy dog right before his eyes, and makes a call to the local pound. Willoughby escapes, hearing Slade repeat the inscription several times, which guarantees that the spell will not wear off, and he will be trapped in the dog's form for some time to come. Slade ignores warnings that reciting the incantation too often could cause the spell to transfer to him, and keeps reciting the incantation over and over. Willoughby eventually disguises himself as a female roller derby competitor to elude Slade, who as Dick, district attorney has the entire police force and animal control at his disposal. Eventually, Wilby is caught and taken to a local dog pound, where he is able to understand the other dogs, who band together to help him escape. With the help of Brian and Tim, who still thinks that his dog Elwood can speak until Wilby tells him the truth about what has really happened, Wilby gets evidence that John Slade is connected to organized crime. Wilby and Tim trick Slade into showing up at Rorschach's warehouse, and Wilby uses a tape recorder to collect information that confirms the wrongdoings. With the help of his dog friends from the pound, he also manages to retrieve the ring from John Slade, who unfortunately has read the inscription aloud so many times that the curse has now passed on to him, causing him to transform into a bulldog. Finally, Wilby gets elected district attorney. Slade is stopped by the police for speeding and is supposedly jailed, although it is never actually revealed, and Tim gets engaged to Katrinka. Together, they adopt Wilby's dog friends from the pound 
and the movie ends. All right. So what was Phil? You said you watched it yesterday. Yeah, and I know for sure I watched it all the way through many times as okay. a kid. What yeah. was your first reaction to? Uh, my I will watch anything that Tim Conway is in, and so it, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, I, I have always thought Tim Conway is a physical comedy genius. I've loved everything mm-hmm. he ever did. Even and a lot of it is stupid and cheesy. And even in this one, his physical comedy at a lot of points is obviously first take. Like this was not done on a big budget. This film. And uh, but uh, that I, anything with Tim Conway, I will watch it every time, no problem. Um, but outside of that, it's uh, there's so. I mean, the special effects are so cheesy looking now. Um, and I think a key point is that you both brought up, we all brought it up, if there were nothing else on, I would watch this movie. But that's the thing. Back then, there was a lot of there was nothing else on in 1976. Mm-hmm. And now we have everything. Everything is on all the time. And we have so many choices that, that uh, you know, this type of movie would um, – I, I don't even – I think this type of movie wouldn't even get made, let alone the special effects. That's an obvious one. Uh, and it would have been done better with CGI now anyway. For what they did at the time, I guess it was fine. But uh, we, I don't even think this movie as a plot line would probably make it out of development at this point. Not on it, not for not for Disney. Maybe for, you know, some third-rate, uh, you know, knockoff company. <laughs> okay, so we aren't going to mention that they re-released the Shaggy Dog in 2006. Do we just not even talk about the Tim, the Tim Allen version of it? I don't even remember that. <laughs> did they do that? Yes. Oh, they did do that. Oh, my God. I didn't see that one. I didn't did, see that one. It, it was back when... Tool Time was big, or Home Improvement, I guess, was the name of the show that he was on. Yeah. And he could do no wrong. He still can do no wrong, in my opinion. He's <laughs> the second best Santa Claus in the world, behind Kurt Russell, of course. <laughs> and, and I'm sure Kyra will agree on the Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's the best Santa ever in a movie. I agree. But, yeah, and there, I actually am flipping through the... Oh, okay. I was I was looking at my Wikipedia page that had a list of every Shaggy, and I was like, wait, are they doing another one? But no, that's actually a footnote. So I apologize. <laughs> I was I was starting to get scared and also a little bit excited about the possibility of a reboot of a reboot of a reboot. <laughs> so who would play it now? Who would be who would be the Dean Jones now? I don't I don't even know. I mean, if you're going to go the sequel route, you would have to have Tim Allen play it, but he would pass it on to his kid. Because yep. that's that's the only way that you could possibly get away with, I don't know. It would have to be a girl at this point, right? Like, it would have to be Selena Gomez or somebody like that? Yeah, there needs to... Well, I was actually thinking, like, Kevin Hart would be fun to watch oh in God. this role. <laughs> Um, but if we're... Kevin Hart would be a very tiny dog. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually make it even better because if if we stay with the plot line where it's a, what, 130, 140-pound dog like this uh-huh. one is, and you got itty-bitty Kevin Hart transformed into this big dog, all of a sudden he's going to get big dog fever, <laughs> and it's going to make things even better. <laughs> Well, 
we are getting a little far afield, but not really. So, so and y'all can stop me when, when you come to things in the notes. The first note that I actually have is, this is another movie set in Medford. Mm-hmm. Medford is the fictional town. It's that, Medfield, isn't it? Yeah. What I said Medford. Yeah. I think, I think Medford is actually a town in Oregon. It is. I've been there many times. I play there at least once a year. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Medford. There we go. All right. So, Medfield, because th- this was where the original absent-minded professor was actually set. And I think the villain from this one was the villain from that movie, which is Keenan Wynn, who is starting to show up in a lot of the movies that we're covering. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And I don't know why they keep going back to the well unless they feel that he's a good villain and they didn't want to worry about casting other people. But yeah, we had that. We had the original Kurt Russell movie. Um, The computer wears tennis shoes was set in Medfield. Um, There's like two or three other movies that will be coming up soon that are also Kurt Russell movies that are set in Medfield. And there was also the Son of Flubber, which for some reason Disney Plus decided was not good enough to put onto their site. <laughs> How bad must it be? After yeah, you, <laughs> you, can, you can take that for what you want. Listen, it can't be worse. Oh, no. Obvious millionaire. No, that one's, yeah, that one's pretty rough. Boot Happiest Millionaire and put Son of Flubber. I would happily watch it, even if it's terrible. (laughs) Well, I actually am glad that you brought up The Happiest Millionaire. I don't know why. But did Disney have something against brown cigars? Because in both The Happiest Millionaire and in this movie, they were smoking straight green Cigars. It looked like somebody had wrapped a piece of spinach in a cigar, and I don't know if that's supposed to give you a different kind of, shall we say, mellow? Because it was the 70s. <laughs> I had not even noticed that. <laughs> but this is the sequel to The Shaggy Dog, and you actually get it referenced 15 minutes into the movie. And you could tell that this was definitely a 70s movie because you had the roller derby girl. Which yes. I, Very exciting. I actually loved the roller derby scene, which, jumping ahead, the fact that you have a dog, and I use quotes for the dog, on <laughs> four legs, or actually on two legs, skating around the, the roller rink, not getting knocked over, I'm thinking that as the movie went along and Keenan Wynn, which I'm sorry, I can't remember his bad guy name in the movie. John Slade. Yeah, John Slade, yeah. When Mr. Slade just keeps repeating over and over and over the the four-word phrase, do you think that actually infused Dean Jones's dog character with more human characteristics? Because, first of all, he's riding a bike, then he's driving a car with no problems, then he's in a roller derby rink, and having watched Snowball Express, we all know that Dean Jones is a physical comic, too, because he goes down the the hill with no issues, but everybody's trying to get out of his way, and 
I don't understand how he became more quote-unquote human as a dog as the movie went along, that he was able to do all these dog things, and at the very beginning, all he could do would just be sit in the seat with Tim Conway and talk to him. That's a great point that I'm quite sure the uh, screenwriters did not even think of. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean... I know we're not supposed to. I know we're supposed to suspend our disbe- suspend our disbelief whenever we sit down to a Disney movie. But I mean, it's also our job with this podcast to dig into it and say what's not right and what's wrong. Yeah, there was a lot wrong. The the roller the roller derby that was the that was the kindest, gentlest roller derby I have ever seen. <laughs> I didn't see anybody fall down. Nobody. I mean, there was one little. Where she like kind of went between two other, uh, and that was it. Like there was there was no pushing, there was no shoving, there was no violence. Uh, uh, but uh, and that but when the dog hopped on to do the roller derby, I was like, all the limbs are the wrong size. Like it doesn't even <laughs> look like a dog anymore. It was so I was like, why are the back legs so much longer now? It was uh, hilarious, just hilarious. So there's a part. Um, I think it's earlier. But um, he slides, like he jumps out a window and slides down a rope. And um, it's the same thing of like, that's obviously a man. Um, It's much funnier to talk about it because as I was watching it and like noticing these things, um, I thought, you know, it's maybe you're not supposed to notice this. (laughs) Um, But then you it happens and you notice it and like I should be laughing at it because it's just so ridiculous. But I found it so unfunny. Like, I just, I couldn't, it was so bad, I couldn't even laugh at it in the moment. But, like, it's funny now. (laughs) So, correct me if I'm wrong. In the first movie, when, and I can't even remember the kid out of the, out of... Kevin Corcoran? It might be. I think it it was. The kid that could do no wrong until they found out that he was gay, basically. Right, yeah. And then suddenly he's not doing Disney movies anymore. But he, it took him actually reciting the phrase for him to start turning into a dog. And I think he had to do it two or three times. Uh huh. The first time. That was a fresh curse. You gotta, you, it's gotta boot up, you know. And now, fifteen years later, whoever or however long it took for Dean Jones to rise from old Yeller fame. It only takes Tim Conway saying the phrase once to make Wilby change into Miss Borgia's dog. <laughs> so is that a, ca- a case of a gentle reboot where you don't want for him to have to walk around the the ice cream truck three or four times to actually get it to kick in? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's probably. I mean, they probably shot a scene like that where they were like, ah, oh, what if he does it three or four times? You know, whatever. Uh, and then they're like, ah, nobody's going to remember. We can just do it once. They'll they'll get the idea. Or, or you hope they'll get the idea. You'll hope they get the idea. Yeah, yeah I suppose. I mean, the, 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 this 70s period of, of Disney is, you're really in the, the fallows here with what they're doing. They were shooting a lot of these live actions on really low budgets. Um, they weren't, I mean, the, they were doing animation at the time, but not a lot. And it's about mm-hmm. to get worse as you get into the early 80s uh, with some of those. And they were just working on really, I mean, this is not the best period of Disney by any means. And uh, the fact that it still made $10 million is amazing. But, uh, hey, why not? <laughs> but, I mean, 
the 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 writing is uh, uh, flimsy at best. I don't yeah. know that they were. I think there was enough of of the uh, references to the 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 movie from '56 uh, or whenever that first one came out uh, that they were just like, ah, we're just gonna throw some reminders at them. Yeah, it's been 20 years, you know, since the last one. Anybody that saw it now has grown up, and and I, I imagine the uh, the appeal of this one was hey remember you saw that thing 20 years ago well now you can bring your kids to see the sequel it was probably a lot of that um and it's uh but it was i mean it's definitely low budget kind of film yeah. i don't i don't know what they spent on the budget for this one but well not blockbuster money oh so it definitely wasn't pirates of the caribbean money no no <laughs> all right give me a sec i could actually tell you what they spent or they should tell you on the Wikipedia, which we all know the Wikipedia never lies. Never lies about anything. No. Well, while I'm pulling that up, one thing that occurred to me when I was watching the original Shaggy Dog, and it occurred to me on this one, what happens to Wilby's clothes when he changes into a dog? And why is he not why is he not um completely naked, for lack of a better term, when he comes back? When he comes back, have you been watching The Boys? No, I'm uh, not. Okay, so there's a character in there who has this—he has this power to like, like warp himself, like speed warp himself mm-hmm. to another location. But every time he does it, when he gets there, he's completely naked, and uh, it's almost like they fixed that plot hole. <laughs> but yeah, now, the, that... the clothes just appear and reappear and disappear and come back, and they're, then they're different clothes. Uh, the wardrobe uh, continuity not the best. Yeah, this was this was definitely prior to having a continuity person on set to say, well, when you changed into a dog, you were wearing a blue tie with a white shirt. Now you're wearing a white shirt or a white tie with a blue shirt. And I will give I will give the wardrobe depo- department this compliment though, <laughs> uh, Suzanne Plachette in a nightgown for a whole scene. <laughs> I'm good with that. Good with that. I was surprised it was there, but I was like, all right, nice. <laughs> That's so funny. When that scene came about, I was like, are they are they doing this? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. <laughs> it's the wild set of these men. <laughs> I am not finding how much or how little of a budget was spent on this. They may have spent the same amount that they spent on the 59 version. <laughs> Just because they made it once, and... Yep. Yeah. Do it again. Do it again. Yes. All right. So, when Wilby changes into a dog, how is he able to understand other dogs talking? Yeah, that was weird, too. And were well, I we... Think it was, I think it was he was understanding dog language, and they just had to translate it for us mere humans. But I think uh, I think he was it, it was pro- if, we, if we listened in it was probably bark 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 growl 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 bark 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 growl 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 you know uh, and then but he was a dog so he could understand dog language with their very hackneyed accents. <laughs> yes, the the accents were actually all done by one person. Were they really? Yes, with the, with the exception <laughs> I think of maybe the female dog Fifi or whatever uh-huh. her name was. Yeah, all of them were by one person, and he was a. Um, it was obviously not Mel Blanc. We know that. Yes. Yes. He, he he made you wonder why they didn't spend a little bit more money. to. But they did have good imitations because one of them was supposed to be Jimmy Cagney, obviously. Yeah. 
there was one that might have supposed to have been Cheech. No, because there there was a um. Let me see. There was definitely a, a Mexican accent. Yes. I don't know if they'd. I don't know if they'd have gone Cheech. That was still pretty counterculture then. But yeah, the the person who actually did the voices. Where is it here? And now I'm not able to find anything. <laughs> but yeah, so. I, I, I like your answer for it. It it makes more sense than what I was trying to figure out if all of a sudden he had a dog, if he had Dr. Doolittle powers for this movie. <laughs> if they went that far, he probably there would have been like an elephant that showed up out of nowhere that he would have started talking to. And you'd been like, why is there an elephant in Medfield all of a sudden? Why? I, you know what I want to know? I want to know. How they possibly could name him Wilby? That is the weirdest name. These <laughs> seventy Disney movies—they have the weirdest names. Eglantine Price. I'm like, whoever was named Eglantine? That's ridiculous. By the way, I love that movie. But um, I, the the names that they come up with, I'm like, what idiot names their kid Wilby? That's the like the wimpiest <laughs> name of all time. And I guess his father's name was like. Something, they mention it at some point, what his father's name was. Or maybe it's just in the synopsis of, oh, it's in the um, it's in, the, it's in the original one. His father's name was like Wilbur or something like that. I can't remember what Wilson. it was now. But in the, Wilson, yeah, thank you. So somehow that seems like it's like a, a junior nickname, Wilby, that he <laughs> didn't have the brains to ditch by the time he was 13 and go by whatever his real name is. <laughs> So you're thinking his given name was probably Wilson Daniels the third or Junior, something like that. Yeah, and, and and he like stuck with Wilby like out of why? It's pro it's probably because when he was growing up, his mom would call, uh, yeah, what's what's the little kid's name? I can't even think of that. Moochie, and <laughs> and Wilby, you get your tails in here for dinner. Because your dad just got home from doing whatever he was doing. Will be! Will be! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, I'm moving along, and we get to the pie fights. <laughs> Classic. How many pies do you think they actually had, and how is it coincidence that the one pie that hits Slade's cronies happens to have the ring in it right after all of that work and i think it was probably the son that actually threw the pie out the window probably the whole pie fight thing was just like i was like oh i forgot there's a pie fight in this one because it's that was like a thing for like about 10 years there from the late uh, early uh, mid 60s maybe <laughs> is where you start to first see the pie fight i mean you see it in like the old old blood the black and white the silent films they'll do the pie fight thing but and it went away for a long time. And then you start to see them again, like the mid-60s to the mid-70s, where, oh, we're back to pie fights. I think we're due for a pie fight uh, resurgence in, in modern films. There's, somebody's got to do it. I think there's, uh, there's uh, you know, uh, somebody uh, – Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart needs to do a pie fight <laughs> in one of his upcoming films. Oh and uh, and uh, they would have to aim really low. Aim really low. <laughs> to get Kevin I just make Kevin Hart short jokes. <laughs> That makes me think, um, you've seen the tortilla slap challenge thing going around. I think so, yeah. Where you take a drink and then everybody, you have a tortilla in your hand and you rock, paper, scissors, and whoever loses gets slapped across the face with the tortilla. Okay. Um, no, I haven't seen it, but I'm all for it. Oh, find it. It's so funny. Um, and 
I'm, I really want to do it, but I'm scared. <laughs> but, um, so there's actually in the promotion for, um, what is it? Super pets. Probably. Um, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart do this. I, I saw, saw this on Facebook yesterday and I watched it about 50 times. Um, Oh my gosh. It's so funny. And so, yeah, I want to see Kevin Hart in a pie fight. <laughs> well, hey, I be in that pie fight. Actually, it looked fun and delicious. I, you know, I've heard it, it. I've heard interviews with actors that have done the pie fight thing, and they're like, yeah, it's fun for about the first few minutes, but it takes so long to mm-hmm. film those scenes that they're literally just covered in cherry pie for hours. And they're like, yeah, it's really, it's pretty miserable after about the first five minutes of it. It does look fun, um, but I don't think it's actually as fun when you're trying to film the stupid thing. But you're right. I think there were way more pies thrown than were actually on those tables when they walked in. Yeah. And, of course, nobody got the thousand. Was he offering a $1,000 reward for the pies? Was that? It went up to 2000 And 2, then 000. how much? And then they sold quote unquote sold the ring back so they uh-huh. but he didn't because he was arrested by the police and right of course and we have the most incompetent police officers in all of the United States <laughs> I was honestly waiting for a Keystone Cops routine to break out speaking <laughs> of classic old comedy movies yeah how did Dick Van Patten get the ring? There was a huge jump there that they didn't explain at all. The cops got the ring. He's giving it back to the museum owner. Dick Van Patten is watching the conversation. And then, boom, next scene, he's got the ring and he's handing it to the, the, the DA. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. How did he get the ring? They don't explain that part at all. Well, we all know it, that Dick Van Patten was a very good sleight of hand magician. <laughs> very, very little known fact for those of us not in this room right now. So, and now, to, and now, as soon as this episode's released, people will be going out onto YouTube looking for Dick Van Patten's sleight of hand. You're welcome. Dick Van Patten going is eight enough? How about nine? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, regardless of how Dick Van Patten got the ring. This is where Slade grabs it and starts repeating the phrase over and over and over and over. And then all of a sudden they put a bounty out on um, Wilby. And did anybody find it coincidental that Piglet was the animal control person? I was just thinking of it. It made me so happy. Like, I, I didn't know until I got to that part and I heard the voice and instantly I was like, oh, I rewound it like three times. And I was at my husband like, do you hear that? Do you know who that is? Do you recognize that voice? And I was so tickled. Um, it just it delighted me. And the more he talked, the happier I got. Yeah. Also, so. I didn't know who Dick Van Patten was. Um, I recognized his face and it took me a little bit. And then I was like, he was in Robin Hood Minute Tights. He was in Spaceballs. And then I was just, I was way more excited about this movie after I realized that. (laughs) And I think he is going to end up being a sidekick to the bad guys in a lot of these movies that we're going to be watching in the next six to seven years. Yeah, he appears in a lot of them. Yeah, he he became part of the stable right there. Yeah, as did Keenan Wynn with his thirteenth appearance in like twelve movies or something like that. <laughs> so 
when they actually capture Wilby, throw him in the Hooskow for the dogs, I don't understand how Slade could actually call the governor to push through a euthanasia on a dog. I he don't was just that powerful. <laughs> I don't think that's in the governor's um, line of sight. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know her whose whose purview that would be to accelerate uh, an, a euthanasia on a dog. I mean, if, if it was somebody like obscure, like some weird, like oh, we have to go to this, you know, third tier government official nobody would have known who was it been like why did they just go to the governor man <laughs> um did the pound scene remind anyone else of um lady and the tramp yes oh yeah for sure i was screaming like ah they just totally recycled that entire scene yeah and i got to see it in live action yeah exactly i was i was waiting for the song 100 <laughs> percent He's a tramp. <laughs> All right. So, Wilby breaks out, still staying a dog, for whatever, well, we know why. It's because Slade keeps saying the phrase. And Tim Conway gets abducted by him, for lack of a better term. And is told, well, since I can't turn him back into a human, you're going to have to do all the dirty work. And so, when they're walking across the beam from wherever it was to wherever it was they were trying to get to tim conway says he's allergic to heights i somehow feel that but don't know how or what you had to take to get over your allergy <laughs> i don't know if claritin does it on that one it it probably doesn't but it may explain why i don't have the fear of heights since i've been taking it for the last two years for my allergies <laughs> Wait, we got to back up a second. When they get on okay. the bike, before they get to that part, they get on the bike, right? And Wilby is riding the bike. Tim Conway's on the <laughs> handlebars. And I don't know if you noticed this, but Wilby has a pipe in his mouth. Like, he puts on the overcoat and the hat, and he's got a pipe in his mouth. And I'm like, what? why would they put a pipe in his mouth? Like, it was like just like he was, what? Why is there a pipe in his mouth? It was such a bizarre wardrobe choice that I can't. I guys? It was, yeah, well, I mean, he was, I don't disguise, he's furry, he's white. <laughs> but he was wearing an overcoat and a hat, and I was like, okay, the overhat and the overcoat and the hat makes sense. For what reason would they possibly put a pipe in his mouth as he's riding a bike? Who's, who, like, is riding, was he, maybe he was trying to be, it was a disguise, he was disguised as an Ivy League professor on his way to class in the morning. Medfield uh, College he, Professor. Medfield College professor. That was it. But the pipe just struck me as such a weird detail that they would put that in there. I'm, I'm going to have to rewind. I'm going to have to rewatch it just to, <laughs> just to see that because I missed it. But it makes it makes perfect sense that he's a Medfield College professor <laughs> with law, of course, because he's a running for DA. Right. Oh my goodness. All right. So I actually have. One more note that does not concern Tim Conway, because, I mean, we could sit and talk about Tim Conway for hours. Yes. Just because I think this might actually be his first Disney movie, unless Apple Dumpling Gang came before. Yeah, I don't remember which order those came out in. But these movies, I've loved Tim, Tim Conway since Carol Burnett. I know mm -hmm. that wasn't what he got started on, but 
that's what drew me to him, and I've loved him ever since. And anytime that you see physical comedy out of somebody that knows what they're doing, it takes it to a whole nother level than just if you got somebody trying to do physical comedy and, well, that's because that's what the script called for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his micro-physical comedy, just the facial expressions mm-hmm. and stuff, are so good. Like, the big, broad stuff, he's 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 pretty good at it. It wasn't that great in this film, the big, broad stuff. But there was, there was the one scene where, I think it was when he was originally getting the ring, and the guy's explaining it to him, and he goes, no. You know, <laughs> right? The, the guy goes, do you get it? And he goes, no. And it was just just perfect the way he did it. And it was probably a first take like everything else in this film. I can't even do it the way he did it. But it was just so, just picture perfect. Just that micro-physical comedy. And that might have helped to keep the budget low because you only had to do one take for him. Right. And everybody else around him had to do three or four because you don't get the same yep. reaction second, third, fifth, twelfth times. Yeah. The other, My other favorite part was the... Uh, the the gibberish explanation to the security guard in the warehouse where he's like oh yeah you got a leak in your and it's gonna dribble all over the floor and you don't want that broken thing about you know i just did it so well and i know he ripped it like nobody wrote that into the script they were like tim just go do a tim conway thing and uh and he was like boom just there so i i actually told a lie i have two things one of them is actually rewinding back to the pie fight or previous to the pie fight (laughs) So, Wilby offers $1,000 initially for the reward to find the ring. All of a sudden, you have 65 people leaving the pie place completely unoccupied just so they can go and search down a ring. Do you think they told one person who was like the newest person that was hired like yesterday, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to stay here, man the registers, anybody wants a pie, you make the pie, or you tell them, come back tomorrow. <laughs> it it made me laugh that I mean speaking as somebody that works in the financial industry you don't it's not something you do to just oh okay let's round everybody up and they're just running down the street they don't even worry about piling into cars or into the back of the ice cream van or whatever <laughs> yeah they just ran 18 blocks to get to wherever this hotel was. Yes. So my last note that I have is why was the transformation of both Wilby and Slade instantaneous when Wilby gets the ring back? Wilby suddenly turns back to a human. Slade turns into, what was he, a bulldog, I think? Yes. Yeah. I think he might have actually been Matilda off the the (laughs) British Bulldogs. But it was the fact that it was so quick of a transformation back and then the question is where did he put the ring so that way nobody could find it until 2006 <laughs> well you we don't even do we know how the election came out did they even i don't even think they wrapped that up did they um he at some point like right at the very end it's like clear that he's he's da oh uh, okay yeah, like, it just skips way ahead, and it's like, oh, look, he's the district attorney. I think it's, like, mm-hmm. they drive by the um, Tim Conway and his girlfriend or whatever in the car. And oh, right. There's yeah. some mention of it right there, but it's it was so quick that it would have been easy to miss. 
Yeah, you're right. That yeah, that is it. That is it. So yeah, happily ever after. Um, yeah, we don't. Yeah, they don't explain who ended up with the ring. Yeah, they were like they were they were planning a third one. That's what they were doing. They were like, oh, this is going to be such a big hit that we're going to have to do a third one uh, with somebody else in another twenty years. And then they ended up waiting till two thousand six. <laughs> All right. So, Mr. Johnson, you're sitting in the pitch room. It's your job to write the third movie. <laughs> Pitch it to us. Give us your best 90-second elevator pitch of The Shaggy Dog Returns. Oh, The Shaggy Dog Returns. Okay, so it's uh, it's uh, Wilby's granddaughter. Uh, she she uh, finds the ring buried in a, uh, a school football field, middle school, right? They got like a field out back behind the school. She finds it buried there. Uh, and, uh, and, and thinks it's a crazy looking ring. Like she's, so let's see, 76, 90. So this would be like, uh, let's say it's like 1990, 91, right? So she's like this middle school grunge chick, uh, full, full Nirvana, the whole deal. And she's just like digging in this field cause she's all mopey or whatever. And, uh, cause it was the nineties. She was mopey and wears flannel <laughs> and she digs it up and, uh, and she goes, ah, oh, this is an ugly ring. I'm totally going to wear this. And then she reads the inscription on the back and, uh, and first, first, her father turns into a dog, right? But then they find out it's like a family trait, and then the whole family turns into dogs, uh, and nobody runs for office. <laughs> the end. I don't know. That's only the first act. <laughs> so I want to see this movie. <laughs> a shaggy dog wearing a Kurt Cobain T-shirt? Yes. <laughs> so, so we're actually doing Shaggy Dog meets Teen Wolf. Yeah, exactly, for okay. sure. Yes, I could, I could definitely see it. Um, one final question before we break into the serious part of this: Who would you <laughs> cast as the as the father? Because we already said we're gonna have Selena oh, Gomez. Because you have to have a Latinx person. Yeah, if I were gonna cast it now, um, and I'd be really tempted to do Tom Hanks, but it would probably end up being Jack Black, who's I could... already fairly furry himself, but. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know where else to go with. <laughs> Coming to Disney in 2025, The Shaggy Dog Returns, starring Jack Black and Selena Gomez, yes. as 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 written by Phil Johnson, Dan Teets, and Kyra Hawkins. Be looking for it on <laughs> Disney Plus. Um, does anybody have any notes that? I just ran over and hit with a bike. I had Oh, the only other thing that struck I mean, not the only other thing. So much struck me weird about this movie. <laughs> the second robbery, right? They get robbed and then they get robbed again, which is what sort of finally, you know, pushes them over the edge to run. But the second robbery, the robber literally only gets away with their dirty laundry. Like they had neatly hung their dirty laundry in the closet for some reason. Uh, probably because they were going to have to wear it again the next day. And that's the only thing the robber gets away with is dirty laundry. And I can't imagine why he would have walked into that house and been like, well, I'm here. I guess I better take something. Uh, I'm going to take their dirty laundry. But he would have – do we think it's the same robber? Because, like, they should have known the house was already empty. That's true. But you think he'd walk in and gone, oh, somebody already hit this place. <laughs> So, okay. so let me, well, let me go look blanket, and see then. what I can find. We could take the blanket, take the two pair of clothes. Right. <laughs> Did they leave the kid with... I think we left him in his pajamas, right? I think so. 
But that would, I mean, you would have to do that thinking that you could fence their dirty laundry somehow and not just end up taking it to Goodwill. Well, I mean, there is a whole Japanese subculture that <laughs> we aren't going to go into because it's not that kind of podcast. But, I mean, you brought it up. I, I'm just, I'm, exp- I'm expounding on it. Uh, makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. It was uh, pre-internet day, so you had to do it mail order, I guess. There was probably a catalog. <laughs> okay. Um, we're, we're, we're just going to leave that in the gutter. <laughs> Kyra, is there anything that we missed on your 16 pages? Of- no. I actually did good on my notes. I did um, three, one page front and back, and then half of another page. Wow. So not that much. And I, I mean, they're pretty spaced out, so... I didn't okay. write that much down. I was about to say, if it's three pages, that's that actually might be the plot for The Shaggy Dog Returns. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was the whole pitch right there. Yeah. All right. Well, we will go ahead and shift gears into the important question, which is the way that everything works on this show. We, we try to make things, make, make things light and then make them very serious at the very end. Um... First question, which I kind of think we've already covered with the Jack Black Selena Gomez reboot, what is today's impact of the movie? I, do, I mean, in what way? I don't think this movie has any impact now uh, because I don't think anybody remembers it honestly. But um, it's—I mean, it's for kids of a certain age. It's one of those where you go, "Oh yeah, I think I saw that movie," and that's about it. <laughs> um, I think if they made this today. Like, everyone has cell phones in their hands, and, um, like, surely someone would catch him transforming. Yeah. Hmm. There there would be a viral video element to it. Yeah. So, I mean, we're fleshing out this this proposal for Disney. I'm I'm really liking it the more that we (laughs) sit here and talk about it. So we're going to have to put this on trademark tomorrow morning and go find out who we got (laughs) to talk to. I think if you just say TM, 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 then it's automatically trademarked. <laughs> so, maybe do that real quick. Okay, TM, 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 2025 Disney Plus. Got it. Another question that I think has already been answered, is this movie mirrored in culture? No. In culture now or in culture then? In culture now. In culture now? No, not 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 even a little bit. I don't think there's a lot relevant to it because it's so – I mean, I don't know. I'm not from a small town. I don't hang out in small towns a lot. There might be that type of element of the the, the weird maritime neighbor next door. And I don't know. Do we ever even know where Medfield is? Is it in the uh, – or is it like Springfield and they never actually tell you what state it's in? Once again, we are going to – we are going – to the all-important Wikipedia, which means that it doesn't lie. <laughs> but I think there's a small-town element to yeah. it that where, you know, the, the people might know the ice cream man by name and, mm-hmm. you know, actually, uh, you know, consider running for DA out of nowhere or something like that. So I think, I think it might have more relevance in a small-town community than it does to, you know, a big city or something like that. But... Um, I don't beyond that I don't I don't think so. Um so I'm finding that Medfield um this is from disney.fandom.com which is like a kind of wiki type thing. 
Um, it says it's in Massachusetts. Hmm. I kind of had that in my head for some oh, reason. The yeah. college is named after the town of Medfield, Massachusetts. Who knows? Yeah. I got ahead of myself. I got excited. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I might be wrong. The college is named after Medfield, Massachusetts, but it's in Missouri. <laughs> it's a community. It's a it's a um, satellite college. Has it's a satellite right branches in every Medfield. <laughs> Third and final question: How does this fit into today's society? Would people other than the three of us, and possibly Jack Black, Jack Black and Selena Gomez, be interested <laughs> in a, another crack at? A better CGI version of the Shaggy Dog. I mean, I think they could. I mean, the CGI on it would be flawless now mm-hmm. because it would, there's nothing that they were doing in in that movie that they couldn't do, you know, very easily now. Um, I th- I think there would be. I don't know. I think there's maybe a place for it, but I don't think so. It would be a direct to Disney Plus type of thing, and it it would be also done on a very low budget. <laughs> and probably with a lot of first takes in it, but I think I think there's a way they could modern modernize it if they like you know like like Kyra was saying if they put uh you know a viral video element to it or something I don't know he becomes a dog and then he becomes an influencer on Instagram or something like that and uh, and uh, he starts selling. Uh, he starts selling like dog food brands uh, that he doesn't even eat, and that's like the big secret is he doesn't actually eat the dog food brands, but he's pimping them on Instagram and TikTok. And TikTok, right? <laughs> there would have uh, there's a there's a TikTok viral Shaggy Dog dance uh, challenge that has to be done on TikTok. <laughs> I thought I thought you were getting ready to say this was happening. I was like, how have I not heard about this? This movie's getting better and better. <laughs> and of course, Dick Van Patten's sleight of hand has to be in there, or is he Absolutely. no longer with us? I don't think he is, but we'll, we'll uh, there'll be a uh, Dick Van Patten. Um, uh, what, what uh, hologram? Dick Van Patten hologram, uh, performing with uh, Tupac and Biggie. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm telling you, I I don't understand why Disney is putting out some of the things that they are putting out. Yeah, they and... added. They just added eight thousand shark shows. Uh, for the National Geographic stuff, I was looking at the new shows, and it was like hammerhead sharks, cannibal sharks, zombie sharks, sharks that wear clown noses, sharks that drive a Toyota Prius, and the Great British Shark Shows. Uh, it was like Law and Order, Law and Order SVU. S stands for sharks. It was just like one shark show after another, and I don't know why nobody needs that many shark shows. Disney, they just no. don't. No, when Kyra and I, for the last year, have been begging Disney to give us Peppy the Prawn. He needs his own show. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, for sure. I would watch and, Peppy the Prawn show. And not as a, um extra on the big, or what, what is it, Mr. Teeth and the... Yeah, and the Electric Mayhem. Yes, which is actually getting their own time. show. Oh, are they really? I, I last night that too. I probably will just because I'm a just because I'm a Muppet fanatic, but it's yeah, it it hurts. Come on, there's an episode of Pepe the Shrimp on Tinder they're trying to date, right? That's got to be there. <laughs> I want this TMTM. <laughs> All right, well, we have had some extra listeners come in in the last few weeks, so if any of you are with Disney. 
or know <laughs> someone that knows someone whose mother's uncle's brother works with Disney, write us at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. Tell us who we can get in contact with. Or if you actually do work for Disney, please contact us because we could definitely use a little bit of uh, swag or merch or just some representation on the Disney Plus brand. Um, Phil, thank you for coming on tonight. It has been a thank pleasure. You, we, I, I don't think we've laughed this much since we actually broke down the happiest millionaire. <laughs> Where can people find you? Uh, PhilJohnsonComedy.com is the place for all the things. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all the places. But if you just go to PhilJohnsonComedy.com, uh, that is the place to get all the links to everything. Uh, all my albums, my comedy specials, they're all there. There's also a link right at the top where you can get a free gift uh, from me if you uh, if you uh, click the link. That's all it is. BillJohnsonComedy.com Yep, that's correct. Okay. And now is that is that what they search for on the Book of Face or the Snapgrams or the Insta Chats? Yes, yeah, for the most part, yeah, you can always find me. If you just Google Phil Johnson Comedy, I will come okay. up. Do not just Google Phil Johnson. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just opened your website and I'm about to drop it. <laughs> oh, you saw my new single. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> That's a fun song, too. Uh, it's it funny. I, I mean, this, it, this is a total side note, but a friend of mine uh, texted me yesterday, and she said, my son is obsessed with your, your work right now. And he said, he's, he's five years old. And he said, Mom, can I listen to Phil on Alexa Kids? And she was like, hey, yeah, you probably, I mean, parental filters, you're probably not going to find a lot on there. <laughs> and so he said, Phil Johnson, he said, let me listen to Phil Johnson. That was the first song that came up on Alexa Kids. Oh, goodness. Well, I haven't heard it yet, but the title has already, like, I can't stop smiling. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorite songs I've ever done. And it's completely stupid, too. Perfect. I, I, I love that kind of humor. Yeah. Like I said, thank you for coming on. We're, we're happy to have a fellow Disney file on the show, especially someone that can laugh and give us ideas for Disney movies that will never happen. <laughs> but that's part of what we actually do on this show is pitch Disney ideas that never sees the light of day after it hits the podcast. Nice. So we are done with sequels for the time being. But don't worry, we have more in line because I think there's about 15 Herbie movies coming up and then in the next three or four years. <laughs> Next week's homework is a movie that I think is starring James Garner called The Bears and I. Never heard of it. Don't know anything about it except I think it's starring James Garner and I could probably be wrong on that. That is an obscure one. <laughs> well, we we dabble in the obscure here, obviously, <laughs> since, since we made four references to the worst movie that Disney has made, <laughs> a.k.a. The Happiest Millionaire. <laughs> We should redo that episode with Phil. Like, I want to watch this movie and then I want you to tell us about it. <laughs> and that's one that I don't think I've ever sat down to watch. It's one of those where I go, I oh, one of these days I should probably watch The Happiest Millionaire because I've never seen it and I like to be a completist. But yeah, I don't think I've ever watched it. But well, do we want for him to sit through three hours of, of that? <laughs> It's very long. It's very dumb. Okay. 
It's very challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go watch it. I'm gonna have to go watch it. All right. Well, it's that time we're gonna go ahead and pitch the Shaggy Dog in the River. <laughs> so, until we speak again, stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for kids wearing grunge in the middle of a ball field on a Friday night. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Oh, Raymond, this dog has no license and is clearly in violation of the leash law. Call the pound. I already did, sir. The truck is waiting outside. Out of my way! Grab that dog! Excuse me, ma'am! 